Hello, welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. Uh, Ashley is currently mocking me because she keeps calling me old. She says I'm as old as her uncle and my taste in music sucks. And No such thing. Rude, rude, oh, yeah. rude. Yep, yep. Uh, she said all of it and uh, it's documented somewhere, somewhere, somehow. But uh, anyway, we are playing One Ring, continuing our Waking of Angmar campaign. We had a very, very, very tense episode last time. I think it was tense. I was I was nervous for y'all, uh, and I still kind of am, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it was a, so we had a really long journey. We were heading from the dwarf area to, to like west uh, west into the into Four Linden, and um, yeah, things were rough. Things were rough. Uh, but we'll cover the details of the summary in a moment. Uh, we will, uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we will go ahead and uh, do our introductions first, uh, so we can kind of kind of figure out. Who we're going to say goodbye to tonight, because I have a feeling someone's not making it out of Forlond, right? Everyone thinks the elves such nice people. Not Forlond, man. That's a cutthroat place. Look out. So uh, let's start with Floy. Floy, uh, Long, tell us about your your dwarven character here. I'm a young dwarf. Treasure hunter is my calling. I'm pretty prosperous right now, I think. Working my way to become a rich. Uh, I've got a nice trusty battle axe. I think I've been tainted by the shadow the longest so far out of this party. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's got you. Pr- yeah, it's got you. Pr- you're the only one. Actually, we have two people who've moved down the shadow path. I think Floyd and Erebon both have. Uh, I think you're down one step on your path. Uh, whereas Arinio and Gilead, I think, are still okay. And you had a really rough run in. What do you think was going on uh, in that? Uh, and that scene in the forest, Floy, when you're all by yourself. I felt like something was drawn to the sword that I picked up and it wandered back. Okay. 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 It's always interesting playing this with some of you guys is you're not as huge as like of like like Lord of the Rings nerds, uh, Tolkien nerds uh, as I could be. So like I can drop all these things and you guys are just like, what are this? What is this? Mirror's chats like, ah, you know, it's always fun. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, we've got Gilly Kettlegrass, who was betrayed uh, by her friend and uh, by a by a by a biopic biography topic by Floyd by Floyd. She was betrayed by Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Gilly Kettlegrass has been in emotional turmoil for a while. I guess you could say because uh, she is relatively young and she's never really had to deal with so much conflict before, and she just wants everybody to get along. And it's just not happening because <laughs> there's been that kind of issue between Erebon and Floy of dwarves and elves kind of not really getting along very great. And then the nightmares started happening and then Floy lied to us. And yeah. Uh, and then Erebon was considering leaving and Gilly laid on a guilt trip and then she felt bad that she laid it on, but she's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, She's she's got so a lot going many on. Many feelings. Yeah. yeah, she'll be happy if we're able to get Floyd cleansed or his thing purified. Um, and really hopes things will get back to normal. Or you realize after doing a thing with the armor that it actually wasn't the armor that was causing this. It's just who Floyd is. And no, then, that'll then be we'll more heartbreak for stuff. Gilly. Erebon's yeah. been telling you guys this the whole time. Such a racist, that guy, Arabon. It's always, it's like, now you see what a true dwarf is. Guy, he's such a racist. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. 
Uh, bottom row. And Melissa, take your time as I want to fix something really quick with Long's window. Mm-hmm. As his head is getting cut off by the top. I don't know what happened there. I think he wasn't sitting up when I was setting it. And now I, like, I move my webcam a bit lower. So that's probably what. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, Everything Melissa, go ahead. Introduce your character and, and take your time. <laughs> uh, so Aurelial is our uh, champion ranger of the north. Um, she, uh, in case I haven't mentioned this before, doesn't take fatigue when we do journeys. So like everybody else was getting real tired during this journey, uh, last time and, uh, not so much for Reniel cause that's a new, uh, endurance of the ranger virtue, uh, picked up in a recent, uh, fellowship phase. Um, it's not new. You've had it for like several episodes. Okay. You can quit rubbing it in. Like you can. I mean, you can, you can really stop. I gave you extra time not to like <laughs> retread same old nonsense and make the rest of them feel better. But all right. Whatever. Honestly, I'm a fan of this recurring joke. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Can't wait till I kill her character off. It's great. Um, and Arrhenia has sort of had to watch from the outside and kind of see what steps needed to be taken when members of her party are uh, being taken over by the shadow. Um, so she kind of got to see the. Um, you know, with Maribem earlier, kind of like what could happen if Arrhenial goes down her shadow path. Mm-hmm. Curse of Vengeance that's true. takes that's true. over. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good point. We haven't really talked about Maribem. Been in a while. Ranger gone bad uh, due to a tragic loss in her past. Floy is just going bad just because he's a greedy dwarf, right? That's all it is. Right, Erebon? Just these freaking greedy dwarves out I've here. I've been saying it for so many money. episodes. It's so ridiculous. And then finally, uh, we have the cowardly elf, Erebon. Steven, tell us about Erebon. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Steven, and I am playing Erebon, uh, the child of Eru, exile of Linden, warden of Eriador, drinker of water, and giver of gold. A- am I missing one? I, I should add one more. Uh, I'll-, I'll think of one later. Uh, uh, yeah, so... Called, um, uh, abandoner of friends. Uh, I-, I could... Say breaker of oats. Chicken that, shit that of Linden. I, I don't know. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm playing uh, Warden, uh, Elf of Linden. Uh, I recently uh, went down my shadow path. I had a bout of uh, insecurity, depression, cowardice while we were fighting some shadow. Uh, but I pulled out of it. I'm coming out stronger. And now I get to uh, face the consequences of my actions. What was the flaw you pulled out of that? Did you get one? Uh, well, kind of like you, it was something I was already role-playing. I am now troubled. Yeah. I feel a sense of disquiet that makes it hard for me to read a situation clearly and offer counsel to others. Maybe we should have just started you there when your character came into the game and you've gone down an extra Honestly, step. Honestly, it probably would have fit better. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have made sense. Yeah, kind of like uh, what we did with Delta Green when you're a troubled veteran or, or damaged veteran, how you're already taking oh, on some stuff. Mm-hmm, like that yeah. could be an interesting way to build a character. Already start partially for sure. Shadow for path. sure. I think Especially. I I like the shadow paths. I think they're great. I don't think like I know there's ways. World playing games are weird because sometimes we play them in like a like almost like sort of like a competitive way in a sense of like trying to avoid bad things. But other ways, I just think I'm I'm very much of like the story way. Like take on the bad thing. Uh, because it's cool for the story. It's cool to ha- have the character go. So many bad things have happened to the four of you, and like you faced so much. It'd make a lot of sense if, like, at some point you all start, you know, trickling down and stuff here and there. Uh, so I definitely appreciate Floyd and Erebon, uh you know, doing taking one for the story teams, you know, whereas <laughs> 100% Ashley, agree. 
Oh, We're just getting self, scars. Like we've got all these scars now. Mm-hmm. The, but but the I fact that you get the flaw. Gilly's <laughs> traumatized. <laughs> you, you get the flaw, but there's no real like hard mechanical drawback to it. So it doesn't like discourage you from exploring that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, it's, it's just like a distinctive feature. You have like this extra like this extra descriptor that you then just use at times, like when you know when maybe you take a shadow point or when things are like push comes to shove, really tense, like we had you know last session. Like we're like okay, maybe you let that kind of boil to the surface a little bit more, stuff like that. So, well, uh, I'm halfway there. So if I just keep occurring shadow, I'm halfway to my max hope in shadow. So oh, Farka we'll Dev, thank you so much. That's two complications Farco has given us or given me, not you, because you all uh, Farco. You know, I normally love when you give the GM complications, but this was not mm-hmm. the episode for it. He's so <laughs> like, afraid. Come on, buddy. He's so afraid. <laughs> so targeted he is now. So afraid. Oh, hey, Eric. How's it going? As you should be. Oh, goodness. Uh, okay. Uh, we ready to get going? Yeah. Let's do okay, it. Everyone yeah. have Does your even dice have his ready. New character ready. I built it three weeks ago. <laughs> I think everyone actually has dice now. I, I saw Long the other day, gave him his mm-hmm. pair of uh, his, his of Norris Foundry dice, and then he gave he gave Ashley a pair. So I think all of us have them now. We're all we rolling do. them. We do. Indeed. Indeed. They uh, did Melissa, not fail me yesterday. You know what to do. They, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. They failed me a little bit. I could have killed Steven <laughs> multiple times. And the D100s I were rolling, they rolled really high. They rolled really high. Really uh, high. I, I got a couple hits on Derek in, so you know, you know, threw me a bone towards me. the end. Yeah. The worst part about that is that we went a little bit late, and mm-hmm. my dice were hot, your dice were cold, and I went to talk yeah. to my wife about it, and she was already asleep. Yeah. So I didn't even get to brag Aww. about how great it Good. was. Good. I'm glad you're sitting stewing it. <laughs> uh, no rolls on the screens are because we're doing we're rolling physical dice these days. That's what we, we switched on over. We got our friends at Norse Venture. Yeah. Eric, you see in the chat, uh, is kind of partnering up with us. So if you ever want to get your own pair of Norse Venture dice, head on over there on the on the old interwebs. You can enter in Lolly. You can get 10% off your order. But yeah, we just missed rolling physical dice and we are now doing it again. And it's fun. Uh, it is so much fun. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to hear the edit of the um, of the the, the mothership episode from last night because I was using a very heavy <laughs> die, and I'm just curious how big the thump is. On my, like, so I have to, I might have to resituate my mic a bit. So it also works because we've been dropping our backlog of One Ring episodes in podcast format, and so when we roll yeah, physical we dice, we make sure to call everything out so yes. everybody hears yeah. everything, and it's not just. One <laughs> It was totally tough to twist our arms. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) My arm is not even remotely twisted. Uh, All right. So uh, let's let's dive in. Last session, you all began a new adventuring phase. uh, As we had been spending time in the Blue Mountains with Floyd's uh, Floyd's family, uh, Floyd's people at the, the Halls of Glad Rock. And you all decided you were going to travel west. You had a couple different options in front of you, but I think people were getting more and more concerned that every time you came to sort of a new settlement, it's like the people that you were going to see were having these prescient visit, vis, you know, visions of of people showing up, like in their dreams, like their dreams were sort of clogged and same. And it usually sort of created this like animosity towards you before you even arrived. And you've also noticed some problems with Floyd here and there where he's been a little like he's been sort of drawn to the darkness a little bit here and there. And so it looks like the priority ha- is now to try to get Floyd, you know, 
and in his his armor, which is which for a very long time had been presumed to be the source of some of the shadow problems. Now you traveled westward, you kind of skirted around the southern the southern foothills of um, of the Blue Mountains. You cut crossed over by the halls of Harmelt, friends that you had met in our previous adventuring phase. And then as you were coming down the western foothills, uh, Arineal and some others noticed that there were these these tracks of of forest that were in flame and smoke. So something was going on. And and you decided to take a small detour and figure out exactly what was going on. You had heard rumors that there were goblins in these woods and that those rumors turned out to be uh, turned out to be true. As you discovered, like there were some animals and stuff that had been attacked, you tried to help them. And as you were doing so, like these goblins came and attacked. Uh, everyone kind of scattered at that point. Uh, Floyd started running. Gilly and Erebon tried to hide. Arineal sort of tried to f- tried to climb trees, but fell. And during like this sort of scattered moment, you managed to take down the goblins, but Floyd was separated. And Floyd had this strange uh, interaction. Uh, whether or not it was all in his head, whether or not it was actually there, it's kind of hard to say as nobody else was witness to it as a wraith of some kind with a massive flail uh, peeled itself off like a shadow, just peeled itself off this old wiry worn tree and attacked Floyd and tried to like rip from him the blade uh, that Floyd had recovered uh, in the in the forest north of Eskerdale uh, several weeks back. Uh, a blade that we all know was a more it's, it's a Morgul blade. Um, you all managed to come across him after Floyd had basically gotten just tossed around like a sack of potatoes and such. And that's when it was revealed that he had been carrying that blade this whole time. He lied to you all. Uh, he uh, said he didn't take it, et cetera, et cetera. But it turns out he did. Uh, there was discussion over what to do with it. Arineal eventually took it. Uh, and there was a very tense travel from uh, the forest's uh, west of the the Blue Mountain, over to a river which I now know the name of. A few uh, wonderful listeners came and gave me a couple couple options. Uh, Gellian Linduin, like is sort of one of the two, or hyphenated I've seen as well. So something like that uh, to a bridge that Arabon knows to kind of cross, and you did. Uh, and as you were sort of traveling down the southern, you know, this 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 river, following it down towards For, uh, Forland, you uh, you kind of got the sense that you had eyes on you. Right. Like you, you all kind of felt like you were being watched along the way. And finally, as you closed in upon what looked like the, the spires and the buildings of Forland, uh, you saw an elf emerge from the river waters, having just recently swam. Uh, and we will pick up right there. Right. So let's go ahead and let's get it started. Um, what do I want to do? Let's do that one. So there you are. You look off, and in the distance, you can see what Erebon you would know as, like, they're sitting, so, like, you would know that Forlong kind of sits atop these granite cliffs, like the main area where people live. But there is lower levels down by, by the gulf, and it's down there where you can find, like, the shipyards and things like that. Uh, but at the distance, you can, you can see these kind of pale, uh, these pale buildings, pristine, but also heavily contrasted with the storm on the on the horizon beyond to the south the southwest as you look and you yeah you see this figure emerge from the water they kind of shift their heads to the left and to the right a bit run their hand through their hair and they're about a hundred yards or so south of you do any of you want to do anything 
I'll put my hood up. Okay. Anybody else? I'll go by hail friend. Okay. Uh, so, Floyd, you step forward. You say, hail friend. And the figure kind of, you see them start to slowly but gracefully move up the, the embankment of the river until they're kind of up on the level that you are at. And you can see kind of water dripping down here and there, glistening sun off of it. And they look at you and you can tell a male elf probably, you know, kind of you, the hair you can't quite tell because it's wet, but it has sort of this steely gray complexion. And they look at you. Greetings, dwarf. Friend, we shall see. But for now, welcome. What brings you to these parts? We're traveling to the nearby town in search for some knowledge. Ah. I see. You have others with you. I can see them, including the one who seeks to hide himself beneath that hood. Tell them, step forward. We have seen you for miles. There is no need to hide now. If we thought to turn you away, we would have done so long before now. And I'll wave them over. Rhea will step out. Okay. Uh, I'll step out, but I'm still staying in the back. And so this figure kind of looks around at you and looks at everybody. Kind of looks over a dwarf, a Dunedain, a hobbit, and an elf. Rehobbit. I stand corrected, little one. A Bree hobbit. Thank I have you. not visited that part of the world in quite some time. I of M. M Goddamn. I of M. Amdurin. And I welcome you to Forland. I am uh, here to escort you the rest of the way to the city. Well, thank you. And Gilly will reach out her hand and offer. I'm Gilly Kettlegrass. It's nice to meet you. Gilly. Very like, kind of serenely kind of bowing. Reaches their hand and kind of this awkward, like, oh, yes. That is what you do. Kind of grabs the hand in this sort of this gingerly manner. You can feel the wetness of the river water kind of still lingering on their skin. Introductions are in order. Of course, yes. I'm Floyd. I'm from the Blue Mountains. Mm, of course you are, Master Dwarf. Then they turn over towards Arineal at this point. Uh, yes, I am Arineal of the North. Of the North? You have ranged far, I see. A curious tale. I presume is awaiting us. If you 
have the time, I'm sure we can pass it with tales and song. We have been aware of not just your journey down the river, but we have anticipated your arrival for some time. I would be curious to hear what tales you tell. And then they kind of turn over towards Erebon. And you, hidden behind the cowl, you seem most anxious of all. What is your name, brother? Erebon. From the east. See, like, an eyebrow, like a Spock eyebrow goes up. What a curious name. From the east, you certainly do not look like an elf of the forest of Mirkwood. No, in fact, you look... Well, you look like you could be from here. Another curious tale, I'm sure. Very talkative bunch you are. Well, Come. if you're done, if you're done with your bath, you, should, you can lead the way. <laughs> A bath, how very, how very quaint. Come, we must hurry before the storms hit. We would not want to be caught out in the rain. It is the wet season, after all. Yeah, we might. We might actually want to spend some time in the river ourselves, but perhaps not when it is due to rain shortly. And so they turn, and all of you with decent, like, you know, awareness, we don't need a roll for it, but you see, like, suddenly slipping out from behind trees or brush nearby, you see a handful of others, many of whom are adorned in, in matching armor of some kind weapons clearly they're guards rangers you know something like that like they're dead scouts etc and you see like five six seven you realize like they've likely been you know sort of following you this whole time mm-hmm. and they start moving this 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 amdarim starts moving kind of steep you know sticking fairly relatively close to the river you can still hear the the flowing waters and kind of lead you southward uh and again you're you know it's probably another hour's walk at that point and more than once like this amdarim will sort of pester you with small questions here and there you know where you're from exactly what is your business maybe they might point to the helm you wear arineal or uh maybe they might look towards the 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 journal that's kind of like uh, on the book the the book bag that's kind of hanging from Gilly's uh, Gilly's waist or back. Basically, it seems very much like small talk, but they 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 certainly ask very pointed questions. Like they're like, you get the sense that they're trying to learn more about you, but they're trying to almost pass it off in a way that seems friendly. How how open are you being? And how, or how cagey are you all being with your stories? I don't think I'd give more than a one-word answer to anything. Sure. 
been pretty yeah. grandiose about it, about how much we've come across, how much we've slayed. Hmm. Okay. Normally, Gilly would also be like tooting our own horn, but instead she's very quiet, surprisingly. Like the most she got was when she corrected him about being a Bree hobbit mm-hmm. instead of just a hobbit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's been very short answers as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Arinial? Uh being relatively forthcoming. Uh, she, you know, from a you know, location perspective, she doesn't necessarily go into a ton of detail about kind of comings and goings before being with uh, this company. Okay. But how much about the details of your your adventures that you've had with this company? How much of those do you get into? Fully open. Okay. And so probably most of the conversation then is between Amdarim and Floy and Arineal, whereas Gilly is kind of there, maybe chiming in every now and then in Erebon when a question is pointed to you is probably the only time you'll respond. And when you do so, you do so in a, in a single word. And for the rest of you that are kind of watching, every time Amdarim kind of turns to Erebon and says something, and Erebon returns with just a one or, one or two word answer or something like that, it can't. this can't be right. But you almost get sort of a, a smile or a smirk you see creep onto the face, like this knowing, knowing kind of smile. Erebon, I would, I would say you, you're noticing this as well. Like you, you can see that they're uh, maybe taking enjoyment in your discomfort to some degree, uh, in a strange, in a strange manner. But I don't know Amdrin, correct? Mm, you're unfamiliar with the, with the name, with the face. Um, no, 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 no. By the time you get to the city, uh, they have dried off at this point, no more dripping. Their hair, you can tell, is sort of a, a dark brown with sort of these hints of kind of a red, kind of just piercing through it. And so again, that kind of gray complexion is now, it's it's not so much the, the water that's reflecting the bits of sun that are left in the sky, but it's actually the, uh, the skin itself. Um, and it's at this point you can hear like the subtle... A sort of rumble of thunder off in the distance. You can see lightning kind of flashing here and there. You see at a certain point, like Andarim and some of the others kind of lift their head up and kind of look up at the sky and a few droplets of water, like the precursors to the storm begin to fall. And they all kind of seem to sort of serenely take this in. They lead you first uh, as the away from the, the river, as the river begins to broaden and then you can see it branches and splits. And there's these two very kind of wide and now somewhat rushing uh, waters, not to the point where they're rapids, but you can tell that the, it sort of speeds up in some ways. And you can, in Erebon, you would know that they go over cliffs and that's likely what's happening. There's these waterfalls. And you can see that there's in this, like most of the buildings that you saw at a distance seem to be built upon this kind of island in the middle of the river itself. And while there are other abodes and structures that seem to be uh, not on the island, on the opposite sides of the rivers to the north and to the south, the majority seem to be on that island. And like the image shows varying degrees of height, some spire-like, others rounded. Now that you're closer, you kind of, you almost smell kind of salt air at this point. You see as they're leading you through what looks like these 
very beautiful gates that are made of stone, but you can tell that they are they're likely not closed too frequently. They seem open. But as you're walking back, you can see like these bands of metal that Floy as a dwarf, you would I mean like you're looking at the craftsmanship, the stone cutting the bands of iron that seem to be wrapped here and there for reinforcement or just for adornment. These patinaed portions that give it a weathered look, but somehow it creates this sense of of balance between looking of age, but looking like with depth. Like this isn't this is not a ruin, but at the same time, it is not like fresh construction. These this this has like there's a there's an age to this city that you can immediately feel as you pass through these gates. Looking around, you can tell that there are dotting these this sort of cobblestone walkway here and there, uh, which seem to be of the same kind of light gray, almost white stone that many of the buildings and the structures are built. You can see all of these different statues here and there, some outside of buildings, some flanking the walkways. You hear the sounds of like like distant distant crafts, and you can as you pass by, you can see this whole crafter's row where there's blacksmiths and stone cutters and sculptors and all sorts of things that seem to be working. You see like birds kind of moving from one, you know, rooftop to the other, sweeping down and around. Occasionally you pass by someone on the street, but more often than not, everyone seems to be attending to something. They seem to be leading you somewhere as they, they, they take you to this, this arching bridge that seems to go over top of one of the, like the southernmost split of the river and takes you further into the center uh, of the city. Is anyone doing anything as you're just kind of wandering through? Knowing that Gilly has sort of been a little bit quieter, Arineal would um, kind of fall back a little bit toward Gilly and just kind of just kind of gesture with her arms to kind of just this, these buildings and this view with the water and just say, this is quite, quite impressive. I, I look forward to maybe some sketches that you might have later. Different than what we've been seeing of late. And, and Gilly is just like observing everything kind of like, Oh yeah, these are opportunities, Mm -hmm. but she'll also call out and, um, do you often give your visitors uh, escorts? We do not receive visitors all that frequently. It is what we prefer. Why not is many, that? Well, not many from your area of the world journey westward. Occasionally, we receive emissaries and merchants from the Blue Mountains still. And certainly we receive our own kind from the Grey Havens or Harlem when messages need to be sent. But no, we... We do not receive them frequently. Your home you is are... beautiful. Thank you, little one. I have heard that you yourself are an artist, I hear. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I wouldn't 
go that far, but I do like to document. I'm a scholar. Why would you not want to go that far? Why do you shame yourself? Um, it's a hobby, but I, I do prefer books, knowledge. Why one and not the other? Why do you presume that the two cannot be shared equally? You cast aside your hobby for knowledge? You should speak with Meerthum. She is a most renowned artist in the city. Should you be allowed to stay, of course, that is yet to be determined. Oh, okay. Erebon would be kind of gawking a little bit like Gilly, uh, just trying to take in as much as possible. But anytime there's uh, an elf that looks anywhere close to him, he immediately goes back down to looking at his feet. Uh, And then he just slowly creeps back up again. Uh, Anyone looking closely, you'd probably be able to see that there are tears in his eyes. Narabon, you recognize faces. Not every face, but some. You absolutely do. You don't necessarily lock eyes with anyone. You you do your best to kind of keep yourself avoidant of, of too much stares. But more than one person looks in your direction. And they see the whole group. And the group, I mean, honestly, the four of you together is kind of an odd collection, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it yeah. is drawing the attention. But elves are not known to gawk in this sort of... Uh, this sort of manner, but you can tell that that people have taken notice of you, and once again, you can feel the eyes. Like you can feel eyes on. So, and it, it, you know whether you're passing by what looks like you know the the abode of a you know of a, of a stone cutter, or if you're passing by what looks like you know the abode of somebody who is you know weaving together these sort of tapestries made of of seaweed and cloth and such. You can tell that they're watching you. Probably even more awkwardly, I'm still keeping my hood up too, which would look even more strange. Mm-hmm. Floy, anything from you? Yeah, I'll pipe up a bit about how we're, if we can get audience with some scholars or craftsmen of yours. We have. In much good need. time, Master Dwarf. For now, I am bringing you to Otolos whom Curden has put in charge of Forlond in our shipbuilding. She will make the determination if you are to be allowed to stay, and if we will aid you. Until then, patience. I know your kind has a reputation for a um, quick to temper, but... I have known many a dwarf in my time, and their variations of temperament, even amongst your people. Would you say you are one who is rash in your decision-making, or do you labor and consider your actions carefully? First thing that comes to mind, usually just run towards it. You are young, that I can see. And do not mind the stares. And, like, you haven't really noticed, like, gawking and staring, so it's sort of like, 
this undercutted statement when they say this. But we have seen you, Master Dwarf. You have You've... been in our visions, our dreams of late. It we are much has. disturbed. Indeed. I do not doubt that this might be reason and cause for your arrival here. How can these visions be so far-reaching? Hmm. There is a great many things in this world that we do not fully understand. But light, shadow, these are primordial. These are stronger than most elements. And I am saddened to say that your friend, Master Dwarf Floy, has been wrapped tightly in shadow. And my kind, and Erebon's kind, we are as attuned as, as any people. We see things, things that are here, things that are far, and sometimes those that are distant come closer, and we might get greater clarity, and that is why we will speak with Lady Otolos for clarity. Are you a harbinger of some great evil amassing? Or are you merely unfortunate, unlucky? That we will determine. I will caution you to speak honestly and openly, for Otolos has a way of seeing to the truth, even if you would try to obscure it. And you can see those of you with decent personality skills, just the ever so slight shift of the face towards Erebon as Amarim says that. It does appear that it will make some of what we thought might be difficult conversations easier as you all already seem to know a bit about why we are here and the information we seek. Hmm. We do not, in fact. We merely know that preceding your arrival for some time now, I would imagine when you set out from the Blue Mountains, we have seen Images in our dreams that many, many here would choose and prefer never to see. Images of our ancestors at war with his ancestors. Violence of a kind that we would prefer to never experience again. Many here are awaiting their time to journey west 
many here have their own histories of war and strife that they seek to not forget, but come to peace with. You will see it if you are allowed to journey around the city and the sculpting and the tapestries and the painting. Elves are cursed in our own way, both a gift and a curse, a memory unerring. Hmm. But I'm getting I, ahead of myself. I do believe, and Arineal does not move her head in any way to gesture toward Erebon, hmm. but Arineal kind of looks right, you know, just straight ahead and says, I I do believe that I might have some recent knowledge of this burden that you all seem to carry. Eyes kind of narrow. Do you? And they kind of, their eyes drift up to the helm. That is an exquisite helmet that adorns your head, Ranger. You wear it well. I am trying to do right by it. Yes. Yes, I believe you. He kind of like leans in close. I did not meet the one who likely wore that helm, but I, I met others who carried a similar sigil on their cloaks and on their armors and the clasps that kept their tunics intact. A remnant of a time in which your people were aspirational. It saddens us to see how far, how far you have fallen. Perhaps this is the bottom and you will now journey back upward. Perhaps you will fade, as my kind will soon fade as well. And Aridio's jaw was sort of setting as he was earlier in that statement, but she sort of relaxes. At this point, you are standing in front of what looks like a very tall spire. You see the building is made with what looks like white sort of porous stone. And Floyd, as you're looking at it, like looking for the seams, the masonry is exquisite. You're not exactly sure the composite of the construction here. But it is extraordinarily impressive. And much like the gate, you see this adornment of metal. This like weaving of these different sort of elvish patterns that seem to surround these arched doorways and windows. And all of it is patina. 
So there's this very beautiful kind of light bluish color that seems to come up and contrast wonderfully with the darkened metals that are being used. You can see flanking what looks like these wide marble or granite stairs are these tall statues on top of pedestals of some sort of elvish figures, but they don't look to be warriors. They seem more like artists, craftsmen of some kind. Erebon, you might be aware of, of who they are. Might be something of familiar to you. And you can tell that like there are, despite the clear age of these statues, there are no cracks. There is discoloration here and there where the marble and the, the stone has kind of weathered underneath the rain and the sun, but but none of it seems on the verge of ruin. You can tell that they the upkeep is met. And then Anderim leads you all up the stairs to this huge doorway underneath one of those metal archways where there are two guards dressed in the similar armor as you've seen from those who are following you by the river. They have helms that obscure most of their face with a stem that goes down their long noses. Most of these elves are are, are fairly tall. Um, and you can see there's kind of a range in, in hair color. Most of it's dark. Very infrequently do you see someone of very light hair. You see, as you're passing by and looking at some of these guards and going through the halls now, you see a few that are kind of pale skin tones, others that are far darker. And you're led inside. And if the outside was beautiful, the inside is even more so. As the marble is polished and glistening, there are there's light that seems to be coming down from the windows and like reflecting in this sort of zigzag pattern from this central wall off the exterior wall back down to the point where it seems very light in here despite the distant rumbles of storm. And you're led into this huge chamber and more polished circular stone appears on the ground. And you can see there's like no, no appearance of like grout lines, but you see again more of that kind of metal work like spinning and circling here and there you see that there are these almost like pedestals of uh, like like bird pools almost, even though there are no animals in here. And you can, can get the sense of like salt water as they kind of pass by them here and there. And you're led into a chamber where there is a raised kind of platform at the end. And you see three figures, their backs to you. These long gowns, each of which has some sort of grandiose, you know, headdress on of some kind. And as they come in, you hear Amdurim in Elvish. So those of you who speak like Cinder or whatever, you would be able to sort of interpret. And they're just announcing your arrival. Nothing, nothing special. And at that point, you see one by one, the figures kind of turn to look at you. The one in the center, which you would presume is Hortolos, is a woman with fairly light hair, very sharp features, kind of a wide face. You see to her left, there is a man with very dark skin, 
And you can see that his hair is trimmed very lightly on the sides, but you can see it kind of has some sort of kind of extension down the back. And then you see a third uh, on the opposite side of Artolos that seems to be as pale as the gown that they're wearing. And the woman speaks to you all in the common tongue. And just says, You have journeyed far to our realm, and we welcome you cautiously. For as my friend Amdrim has already spoken, we have known of your arrival for some time, and your decision to venture here has caused repercussions for my people. Our dreams are plagued by visions of great violence between elf and dwarf. Our sunrises are darker than they were before. A tiredness has swept over us, one that we have not felt for some time. And our connection to Valinor seems dimmed, and it is this that that frightens us the most. Speak. What do you seek from us? Why are you here? Greetings to uh, the oratorium. Yeah. Erebon will take off his hood and step forward. Uh, interrupting Floy, sorry. Okay. Uh, he would uh, then get on a knee say my lady I apologize for my arrival for my presence I will not presume to pretend to be other than what you know me to be I just wish that you hear my companions and understand that my presence here is not for myself but for them for the fellowship She looks at you and you can tell there's like a like a sadness in her face as she looks down. But as she's watching you, her eyes drift upward and beyond to the other side of the chamber. And those of you that are still standing and aren't kneeling like Erebon, you turn to look, and you see on the opposite side of the circular chamber there are guards that are just quietly at their station. You see one of them step forward. You hear like the echoing of their boots ever so faintly. It's so quiet in here. You see them reach up. They have kind of tucked their weapon there. This is a long, like grandiose spear kind of in the nook of their arm. And they pull off their helm. And you see it's not an aged elf, obviously, but it is one that has suffered some some scarring. You can tell just by looking at them that they have they've had wounds to their face, even to their hands as they kind of reach up. And Erebon, when you look around, you see your friend 
well, old friend, Balavan. And you can tell just by looking at him that unlike Ortolos, who seems to have sympathy, and unlike Amdurim, who is taking this sort of perverse humor in it, you look at Balavan, and there is anger there. Like just simmering below the surface, there are hard looks from the eyes of this elf as they look down to Erebon, up to Ortolos, to the rest of you, and then back once more to the woman who stands at the front of the room. And he says, Sorandir has returned after many a year, after many have shed their blood, after many have fought the evils of this land. He fled. He abandoned us. And he returns now to beg our assistance. And he brings with him a dwarf. And there's like a, like you can tell, just saying that word kind of bothers him. A dwarf. And a human. Those who have let the shadow right to our doorsteps. I beseech you, my lady, do not let these figures tarry any longer, for they will bring sadness and destruction here. You know what we have seen. You know what they bring. And that is all I will say. And you see him just put the helmet back on. Take the spear kind of out of the nook of their the nook of their armpit. Turn again the very quiet echoes of the footsteps back to their position turning around and facing the room does anyone do anything Erebon upon seeing Balavan the first time would have immediately forgotten where he was what the circumstances are would have stood up and started to rush towards him uh, until being cowed by the look and the harsh words Mm -hmm. and he would just uh, stand and stare and you all have seen Erebon sad before but this is he's broken uh, tears are streaming down and he's doing his best to maintain the calm exterior expected of an elf but you can tell that he's just broken inside and just silently staring at Balavan even as he turns away he he's still despondently staring. Is anybody else doing anything in addition to this, especially as you see Erebon, kind of this this reaction? I would say as Balavan kind of turns back and, and his 
communication seems to be over over Neil will we'll go over to to Arabon and just kind of put her hand on his shoulder and kind of bring him back into kind of the line that I imagine that we're all sort of standing in and kind of face forward again and just sort of keep her hand on his shoulder. Uh, Floy, Gilly, before I get into the mechanics of something, go ahead and there's something you're doing. It's okay to say nothing. It, there's no... That's fine. Let him, let him have his word. Yeah. Okay. Arabon, go ahead and roll a courtesy roll. And I'm going to treat this like your introduction roll to a council. Uh, you're going to do so right, at a minus... So good at least. You're going to do so at a minus two. One for Floy. Uh, minus two. So how do I roll negative 2d6? Okay, so... Uh, Okay, well, Ramir, are you taking any audience die? I think we have audience die stacked up. We do. To take any. Okay. We do. So have. you can roll it on my I don't so. think this is a good situation for an audience die. I think I do deserve uh, my, my bad roll here. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is just like uh, this, this thing, the same thing that's been happening over and over again. Mechanically, the curse is like minus one towards councils and things like yeah. that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, they see what's happening as Floyd comes. Uh, but the and I think when we take the audience dice, we're kind of describing like what we're doing to get an advantage mm-hmm. <laughs> with the dice. Uh, so go ahead and roll. Let me remind myself. There is a way for the negative dice to work, but we haven't done it in so long that I forget. But if you want to roll, go ahead and do that while I look it up really fast. I got a two. Okay. Well, there's basically no way you were going to pass then, I'd assume, right? Oof. I needed an 18. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll just treat it. Um, we'll just treat it as a fail. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, no, I'm making. I don't think I'm gonna do ill-favored. I like the penalty. Okay. So. You're simply asking them for help. You don't necessarily bring them anything in return. You're just asking, like you're you're going to benefit more than them. Is sort of the, the sort of the idea. So mm-hmm. I think this is a bold request. I think this is middle. It's not outrageous. It's a simple help, etc. So I'm going to set the resistance at six as we're going to delve into a council. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in terms of how long, with the failure, hmm. That's gonna be it's gonna be five, I think, because it's minus one for. I do think you have to roll roll those bonus die though, because if you I think if you do roll sixes, that might actually count against you. In this, if I recall correctly, we'll have to double check the negative dice later. I totally forgot. It's such a weird edge case. I, I got a really... six and a one for future reference. Okay. So, the opening gamut has not gone particularly well. But you can definitely see in the face of this woman, Ortolos, and even of Amdrim, who is still in the room, but kind of not up on that dais the way that the other three are. But it's still there and just seems to hold a position of some regard. You can tell they look onto you with like they're almost finding sort of a, a sort of a dark, sort of sad humor in the situation. Like, like a, there's a bittersweet moment to this, right? And Ortolos, you can tell, is filled with sympathy, but also the other two that are up here you can tell they're much more difficult to read. Like they are kind of hawkishly looking down at the group and you can tell that they are, there's skepticism there. Um, 
And you've, you know, this is the first time you've really got to look at those that are looking at you. Whereas most of the time in your travels, every time you look up, someone looks away. Here, you are the center of attention in this large circular room with extraordinarily high dome ceilings, at the top of which is some sort of beautiful mosaic of a far-off place in the water. And Artolo speaks up as Balavan kind of returns to his position. Surrender. Your words are admirable. And we are not ones who will hold your failings and your... And she looks over at Balavan with skepticism, and she doesn't look like she likes this word. Betrayal. Against the party you now count yourself amongst. However... It is not merely your presence, Sorendia, that darkens our meeting. There is shadow in this hall, and it is not merely from this dwarf. And she kind of looks over towards Arineal as she says that. All right, council has begun. So I'm tracking this now. Who speaks up now? Yeah, I'll step up. Kneel down. Mm-hmm. Greetings, Lady Artorium. That is I bring... not my name. You're fired. Ortolos. Ortolos. That is not it either. Ortolos. 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 I bring my I bring my small I announce my small party. I am Floyd. This is Gilly. Free of Hobbit, Hobbit debris. You were calling him Sorondir, Erebon? You might know him as Erebon. We know him as Sorondir. My friend, Erebon. Elf of Linden, an original ranger of the north. You can we... see she raises her eyebrows when you say Elf of Linden. As if in like some level of disbelief at that title. But continue. We come seeking your humble aid on the artifacts we've come across. We do bring this looming shadow, not as a danger, but seeking a way to cleanse it. Okay. Um, you can roll if you'd like. Um, it sounds, I would say, either courtesy or riddle is kind of where I think that lands. Yeah, I like, it's, I like the courtesy yeah. here. Okay. And the special equipment thing, the Twilight Ruby we found earlier, mm-hmm. I can use it for, is it automatic? No, it's 2d6 extra. You get a 2d6, oh, and it's but you magical can, success. Okay, you can yeah. get a magical success, yeah. Okay. Is it both? Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it is, I think it's both. It allows you to achieve a yeah. magical success. And so a magical success, uh, you do this the most, um, Stephen. It's it's burn a hope to get a magical success. Is that what it is? Uh, as an elf, that's what I do. I burn a as hope to get one. Yes. Okay. Um, 
So I don't. But I think even it's for like, my pearl, you spend yeah, you a have hope. To, you spend a hope, and you can get the magical okay. success you, if you want. Yeah, but you get you the two d six on your bonus no matter what. Awesome, I will do. And that. you have to not be miserable as well. Yeah, and you and we do have um, audience if you want to take any extras. Okay, I will just roll a three d six here. Okay, make sure to call it out. What you get? Seventeen, just success. Uh, I got a six as well, so great success. And you're burned to hope as well to get burned hope as well. Success. Yeah, that's three successes on this. Okay, you have. Well, he's carrying us. Okay. She looks down at you, and she, like with. Like, like you can tell that this, that the sort of the surprise from the mention of Elf of Linden fades and you can see a moment of, of genuine surprise, but in sort of a positive way. And she looks down, you speak well, Master Dwarf, our peoples have a complicated past. One filled with friendship but one also filled with animosity and betrayal there are not many who have lived as long as I who has experienced and seen some of these instances firsthand I hope, I hope that you speak with truth and kindness, and that what you bring to us now is not merely packaged words. Kindness is sincerity, and not merely a means to an end. It remains to be seen. Your kind has shown great selfishness in the past. Uh, okay, who else speaks up? Uh, Arineal will speak up. Um, I'll kind of do the role and then kind of RP it from there. I'm thinking either hunting. (laughs) Get a climb a tree. Any dogs in the room that I could give a treat to? Um, Either battle or awe. And so basically, kind of what I want to be kind of discussing is the battles that we have had so far and how important Floy and his skills have been and we need him to be of clear mind for the battles ahead so if that is all I can do all I think all makes more sense like battle yeah, yeah, yeah. like all is more of a social skill battles not 
Yeah, that is fine. Um, I've only got one in awe, so I'm going to take an audience for that one. Part of awe is that you're actually in, in the process of, you're like, you're talking about deeds and history and stuff. So you're revealing things about yourself as well. And that can actually have a potential downside to that as well. But roll it. Understood. We'll see what happens. Okay. So it is favored. And I've got my one, and then I've got my audience one. And <laughs> I rolled both a Gandalf and a Sauron. <laughs> and uh, so that is an automatic success because of the Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And Any that ends up being sixes? a total of no. Okay. All, well, it's not a mix. is all we need to know whether there is another yeah. six. So you got one success. Okay. Yep. Just one. Okay. So what is it you say? So I am, I will, I'll sort of be looking at Gilly because like I've seen her kind of notes about the fights that we've had. And so I'm almost doing sort of like a dramatic like recall of kind of how she's discussed some of the battles that we've had. So when Floyd like jumped out of a tree onto a troll and, you know, just really kind of playing up all of the, the exploits, um, you know, maybe even kind of including a little bit of the, no, I'll leave that for somebody else. Um, just kind of going through just kind of a very dramatic description of the battles that we fought so far and that we will have, such battles ahead and he's much needed. And she listens attentively and she hears your story and the rest as well. Very impressive. Your feats, your deeds. I will admit that the quickness with which you dole out death is alarming. But perhaps there was no other action. Perhaps there is no other course. But you are not in the wild. Yeah. You are not on the slopes of Mount Graham. You are not on the ruins of Lake Evendim of Nenuayal. You are within a settlement of the elves of Linden, and your battle prowess, well, it will make for a fantastic story, I have no doubt. But tales of slaughter, after what we have dreamed... Do you think that this is going to convince us that you are more than violent, impetuous, young fools? She doesn't say it like rudely, but just sort of like in a... She's certainly... It's condescending, like in a Mm -hmm. way, you know? Mm -hmm. But like you're, you've mentioned these dreams of violence, and you, you regale them with these accounts of violence, and it seems to. She's unconvinced by it. Gilly or Arabon, do you speak up? 
Gilly, you can yeah. go first. <laughs> yeah. Um, so don't cry. You're crying. Gilly will probably like nod like, it's true. We're young and probably foolish, especially to someone with so much more world experience than us. But... And I want to do, like, a... I don't know if you'd consider it courtesy or insight or something or what. I don't know. But Gilly's going to be pretty blunt and just kind of lay our cards on the table about what we're here for. Um, and kind of take on to Balavan as, like, and if it would ease you this the sooner our task can be completed, the sooner we can head north and be out of your hair kind of thing. I think persuade is probably... Persuade? Yeah, it seems to make the most, like, what you're trying to do. Like you said, lay your cards on the table, just be straightforward, just saying what it is you need, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, persuade. Mm-hmm. Um, Could I spend a hope and, like, tap into my being true-hearted kind of thing? Because Gilly's just being honest and just laying it all out. Uh, sure. Okay. Um. Gandalf. Really Gandalf? Okay. And, yeah. and one success? Just one. Okay. All right. She looks to you, smile creeping to the edges of her mouth as you speak. Well, Madam Bree Hobbit, you speak direct and you speak true. We thank you for not wasting our time. But it seems that you have brought to us trouble and shadow. That which you have taken upon yourselves based upon your actions and your greed. She like looks at Floy at that last part. And you would come to us for our guidance and our actions, you would bring to our doorsteps the same shadow, the same trouble. And make it our responsibility to repair the problems that you have caused for yourselves. It seems almost as if you hold us hostage, Bree Hobbit. Threatening to stay amongst our people. Endangering our dreams and our welfare until we break down and lend you aid. That does not seem like the actions of a friend. Arabon, do you speak up? All right. Uh, Come on, boy. You got this. this yeah, is your time. He, he's going to be very choked up. Uh, 
he he's still crying and his voice is wavering as he speaks. But uh, I, I think this would be persuade. But you tell me uh, what it'll be after I make the argument. Um, Arabon would say something along the lines of how he knows from experience that taking the action that seems to protect yourself can cause a thousand years of sorrow when protecting when helping the person next to you uh or think of how helping the person next to you could cause a thousand years of joy i guess uh the opposite uh it could benefit someone for a thousand years is what i'm trying to say take a bonus uh, would that be like persuade that, yeah that'd be pers- that'd be persuade or if you wanted um and I think you can make a case that that's also maybe maybe enhearten. Like you can make mm-hmm. the case like that that's enhearten. Enhearten. Okay. Uh, so am I still at negative two? No, that was for the starting roll. Um, but okay. I'll give you. I'm actually going to give you a bonus die, which will cancel out like the Floy thing. So because Floy always gives a thing to one, so like you're basically rolling it straight now. Because that's a good twist. I like how you use your own your own. I have zero pips for persuade and one pip for enhearten. I think mm-hmm. it's still better for me to do persuade because I need a 14. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Instead of an 18. Uh, I, I need to roll a 12 either way. There are audience die? dice left over. Yeah. It, let's do an audience die. So I get okay. to add 1d6 and I'm going persuade for wits. If uh, if I can raise the stakes a bit here, this is the last chance you all have <laughs> before they... You had to say that after I rolled. No, just even go ahead. Uh, I rolled a nine. You rolled a nine. Uh, so I failed. Okay. Oh, no. In total, you rolled a nine between a D12 and how I rolled a four and a five. Oh, shit. Okay. I needed a 14. Where's your D12? The, the, the D12 was the four. Oh, gotcha. All right. All right. No, it was the second to last chance. Okay. You have one more chance, though. You hear this audible sound of like disgust echo from the back of the room at your statement. And those of you with keen hearing, you hear kind of muddling under the breath this. He speaks to us. In this manner, he betrays his own kind and then uses it to manipulate a council. Are there no depths this sudden deer will not stoop to? And it's under the bed, but everyone kind of hears it, right? Okay. Last chance. How many do we need? You need one. I mean, Floyd crushed it in the first one, which yeah, really Floyd did crush it. Thank God. If not for that, like they would have probably, like things would have probably gone. Great, how no the chance. The dwarf is the one helping us in the elf. I know, dance. right? He crushed <laughs> it with that Twilight <laughs> Ruby, man, busting that suck- sucker out. Oh. last chance. I should have rolled, guys. Five, five, three, two. Because all of you have Boy. gone once, right? All of you have gone once, right? Yeah, yeah you guys because yeah. you had time limit of five, so you guys have uh, you guys have one chance left. 
Arunil is still not particularly good with the social skills. Well, someone's got to say something. It, as, as if right I roll, now, there's, with- there, there's murmuring going on in the background, and it feels yeah. as though the Balavan side of things it's is just soft sobbing. To all to Twitch, thank you so much for that. Oh, thank hey. I will take Lady Artolis. Well, my band here speaks true. They've poured their hearts out. Erebon. I do not know of his past, but he is with us now. He's been helpful. Gilly. She speaks true. We need that help. But it's not to hold you hostage. But are you willing to leave me and deal with the shadow myself? I will be freely willing to. And Arinul. She speaks of violence, battles. That will not stop after you cleanse my shadow. There's a looming, waking darkness out there that we will face head on. With you or without, I will continue forward. Dude, take a plus two. That was a hell of a speech. That, that was good. That was beautiful. Did you have a skill in mind that you wanted for that? It was probably just persuade, really. Okay, Definitely. I mean... Unless you have something I, else. I mean... Kind of awe, too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like yeah. it, was, it was less about like your deeds, but like you're almost kind of, you know, shaming, talking about these other battles and battles to come. Like, whatever, whatever works better for you is fine. But take a plus two, man. Which All means right, sounds pretty a, good. The net will be a plus one because of your ongoing penalty. I got forty six, so it's pretty good. Oh God, here we go. He just said it. All ones. Just a regular success. Okay, regular success. Ooh. I love how he's always so sad when he gets a regular success. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd ain't no regular dwarf, man. He doesn't roll unless he's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. I don't get up unless I'm exceptional. So as like that, the back of the room is beginning to sort of reinforce this sort of almost hate-filled reaction by Balavan. And you can see even those two that are flanking Ortolos on the dais are actually beginning their faces or beginning that you're, you're giving way this notion that they might be being swayed. All of a sudden, like Floy takes a modest step forward. His booming dwarf voice just echoes throughout the hall. And he gives this speech that is both heartfelt but also shaming in some way uh, the, the elves that stand before you. And you see like Ortolos kind of, she lifts her, her chin up a little bit and she kind of stares kind of down at Floy. And she says, you speak great wisdom in your voice, Master Dwarf. And you have reminded some in these halls that we have a duty to protect these lands. At least until we are called away from them. We will help you. You are welcome here. And you hear in the back the sound of Discuss 
And as you peek back, you can see Balavan and one or two others that are dressed in guard uniforms. They, with great anger, just like storm out of the chamber. Though I cannot promise that all within our city will take you in with kindness. We. She looks at the other two at the dais. She looks down at Emdirim. We welcome you. And yes, I do believe we can aid you. As we have said, we have foreseen your coming. And because of this, we have been able to consult some of our histories. And yes, there is a curse of shadow that wraps around you, Master Dwarf. Or more specifically, around that which you adorn yourself with. But you have worn it for so long now that looking at you, I cannot distinguish the armor from the dwarf. We will find a way to cleanse both that which you wear and that who you are. Now come, rise, even you, Sorendir, or do you now prefer Erebon? Whatever you wish. No. You cannot absolve yourself any longer of choice and responsibility. Make a choice. Who are you now? And who will you be? Erebon or Solandir? I... I wish to be Sorendir, but I don't know if I can. Don't be silly. If that's who you are, then that's who you are. Sure, you were... You were mournful as Erebon. Lay that to rest. You've punished yourself enough. I'll try. speaks true, Sarandir. I will try. You can see she kind of shakes her head kind of sadly at kind of the weak response. It is not my or Balavan's duty to forgive you, Sarandir. It is your duty to forgive yourself. You made a choice, and you are not the only elf who turned away from violence and war, and there is no dishonor in doing so. You have found new friends and allies, and you have atoned in some way. You have found your own battle. The war for Nost with the men 
of Arthur Dean and Arnor. Perhaps, perhaps that was not your battle, and yours is yet to come. But you should do so with a full heart, not with doubt. Rise, for you are an elf of Linden. Behave as such. I'm... Uh, I'll stand up. Mm. I'm just so weary. I... I don't know if I can continue on. Do you feel the pool of Valinor? You are young still. I... I don't feel the call. I, I'm scared of the call. And I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of being scared. Fear is in all of us, Sarandir. Your friends fear every day, as do I. The problem is when we allow fear overtake the rest of our senses to influence our choices to change who we are into a lesser version of ourselves for far too long you have let your fear drive you instead let your heart lead you forward we will aid your friends. We will cleanse the bits that we can. And perhaps the salt air will rejuvenate you. But we can only heal so much. Elf, heal thyself. Rise. Let us go. We shall find refreshments for your friends. Rooms where you might rest. You have had a long journey, and the storms are about to land on the shores. We will discuss in the morrow how we will cleanse your dwarfish friend of his ill and greedy choices. Thank you. So, Thank you. She kind of leads the sort of the council out. The the Andalim stays around and kind of seems to be sort of your guide. And he kind of leads you back out. Out of this large hall. Through the streets once more, which are now covered in, in, in rain and wetness. But is none less is not less beautiful. You see crackling of lightning in the sky, the dark clouds. You see lights that are flickering in these tall spires that do what you would imagine lighthouses and such to do. Like just could probably be seen for miles 
and miles, and with the elevation from the cliffs even more so. You see elves kind of scurrying about, ensuring that their workshops and tools are properly covered and they're not left out in the rain. And eventually, Amdarim leads you to another hall, smaller, but no less beautiful. Takes you all up to where you have rooms with beautiful beds, large windows of balconies that overlook the gulf. You see all sorts of adornment. Nothing so... Nothing to the point where it's overly grandiose. But there's a level of sort of refinement to these rooms. There's even clothes that have been let out on the beds that would fit all of you. Fine, you can tell, fine elvish make. Similar in style to those that you've seen throughout. And after Amdrim introduces you all to each of your rooms, tells you to come back, come back down when you are ready, and we will have refreshment for you. So how does my mithril work? Am I able to take it off? Yeah, but every time you take it off, you do feel this sort of sort of itchiness as though you feel unwhole whenever it's not I on you. you know? I'll just quickly change and put it back on them. Okay. You can put it on and then put the clothes over top of it. That kind of thing. You can kind of take some of the, like, the pauldrons and things off but leave the basic basic piece okay you all go down to the to the main floor at some point does anyone do something else uh gilly will definitely check in on sorendir uh you would find him uh looking very comfortable in fresh clothing He's not crying anymore. I. Uh, he wouldn't necessarily be happy looking, but mm-hmm. you could tell that he appreciates being surrounded by elven quality. So Gilly like knocks on your door to your room. Come in. So I believe that uh, new introductions need to be made. Apologies. I have carried the name Erebon for some time. You don't need to apologize. Don't be silly. Uh, anyways, let's get the formalities out of the way. Soren, dear, and she'll reach out her hand to shake yours. It's a pleasure <laughs> to meet you. Elves have three With names in their lives. I'll take your hand. Thank you. When we are born, we are given our father name. When we are children, we are given our mother name, which was Sorendir. I lost my mother name, and I took my after name, Erebon. Oh. Do you still have 
family here in London? My my family is in London, not here. Okay. Do you endeavor to meet them soon? You said you were tired. Uh, that is not something I even considered possible until moments ago. I do not e even know. No, no, I do not desire that. Okay. Well, enough heavy topics for today. Should we eat? I'm starving. We missed we missed a meal while we were in council, and I would really like to go eat something. Yes, I, I will I will follow you uh shortly. You you go ahead. Okay. Uh Jeff, how closely are we being watched here? At this point, you don't think you are. I would try to ask the nearest elf directions to Balavan's room or quarters or home. Uh, roll a persuasion test. I'm so good at least. You would imagine word of this situation has spread and you are not unknown now, Sorandir. Sorandir. I like saying that. Do you like an uh, audience dice? No, I'm good without my audience dice and a failure of 8 out of 14. So they look at you with some level of, of uh, sympathy. And they say, I am sorry, Sorendir. It is not that I wish to deceive you or withhold from you the information you seek. It is just that Badavan and some of the other outriders have left the city. He will return, I am sure. But he left with some anger and frustration. And he brings many in his in his guard with him there are dangers that lurk in the plains east of the river i am sure they are tending to those duties in the rain is more dangerous but I am sure he will return. What danger lies to the east? There have been... Some... Band of... Goblins... Walks... That have... been seen along the southern cliffs 
and further north into the plains. They hide in the, the hills during day. But when it storms like this, they are free to roam. It is likely why Balavan has used this time to go hunting. We are currently keeping as guests a merchant caravan who was accosted by these creatures. Balavan is doing his duty as captain of the guard to ensure the safety of those within our city and those who would choose to use it as refuge. I understand. I apologize for imposing. No apology is necessary. You merely asked a question, and I gave you an answer. That is all. Sorandir will awkwardly just step backwards to exit the conversation. Eyes get big. No, wait, I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, you, Jeff, you mentioned that there were some crafters and such. Oh, yeah. That we passed the on the way in. Yeah, and Erebon would, or Sword in the Theater would know this. I mean, this is. The the people here are, I mean they're 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 shipbuilders, they are sculptors. There's these granite cliffs from which they draw. You know, there's quarries nearby from which they draw materials for both sculpting and for architecture. There's tapestry, you know, tapestry makers as well using various you know, various things to wash up on the shores below, but also these the fields off to the west and yeah there's there's a significant amount of it more than that like forland like getting into the deep history of it is just like it's a it's an it's sort of a mainly noldor sort of area right and they are those that are probably the most known for artistry and craftsmanship and even warriors you know being warriors as well but um that 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 definitely seemed to be the the feel you got as you move through. This is a place for those who craft. But what it is storming. I was trying to get the music the the ambiance going for it, but it's just not working for me. I can all all you get is the sounds. But it is storming right now. It's like the like there's a, a horrible thunderstorm that is occurring now. And Arinial uh, is not used to being Sans cloak. Uh, in a rainstorm, and so mm -hmm. she is seeking a a merchant to see if she can obtain a new cloak. Okay, all right. Um, it's not that kind of city uh, where you kind of just go and give credits and things like this. This is an elvish city, so you can. I mean, you're given, you're free to roam if you wish. Um, when you come down from your room, you do see that there is a hall with refreshment that has been laid out. Um, you can tell it looks like foods from the sea. Mostly, which you could, you don't really see any like any actual like 
fish or meat or anything like that, but you see what look like sort of fruits and vegetables and seaweed salads and things like that. Um, and you're kind of beckoned over when you come down uh, from your room. Uh, but you can choose to leave if you wish. Um, I, I, I might... Uh... go in as beckoned and maybe kind of share my interest in is there somewhere that I might be able to obtain a, a, a cloak? Is that something that I could do here? Okay. They kind of look at you curiously and they like they look at the food that they've laid out for you and they say now is not the time to wander the streets. The storms have come, and most have put away their wares. The morrow, when the sun is out once more, and it would be a better time. I am sure there is something we could find within the city. We have a great many tailors within the city that could find something suitable. That would quite wonderful I did, will appreciate the the food that we have here there's nothing like a rainstorm to make me feel like I should have a cloak on and you unfortunately it, uh, they're kind of looking at you are indoors and there is no need for a cloak I do not spend many hours within halls such as these she kind of gestures to the grand architecture and Hmm. Okay. And she'll grab some okay. food and see if anyone else is down. Gilly or Floyd, what are you doing? So I was the first one at the table, just waiting on the others. Like, where are these guys? Come on. I like to think Gilly was second. <laughs> okay. And like, she doesn't even wait for Raniel to come down. She's like, what are you waiting for, Floyd? As she starts filling her plate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, he's thinking the salads are just the appetizers, but in actuality, they're the main meal. <laughs> That's, it. That's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You see, like, yeah, it's it's all like fresh fruits and vegetables, and it certainly has kind of a an oceanic flair to it. Uh, but that's not all it's here. But uh, but definitely no meats or anything like that. Uh, grains for sure. You do see that. So things like that. Um, are you there, or do you eventually come down, Soren, dear? I, I would eventually come down, yeah. Okay, so you all you all eat, and you feel fresh. Everyone go ahead and take back a hope. As you feel within this hall, consuming this food, there are other elves in here that are conversing with you. Perhaps old acquaintances, Erebon, who are much less angered towards you, maybe come by to bid you well. Others who are curious to see this Bree Hobbit that people have heard about. Arineal, more than once throughout the evening, people speak with you about the history of Arnor. There are many within Linden who, as they're talking with you, and talking to all of you to some degree, speak about Fornost and the war with Angmar, with extraordinarily clarity extraordinary clarity like they were there mm -hmm. you have veterans of the war here not all but many 
they do so with sort of a, a sadness to it. Like you can tell that, that, that it weighs on them heavily. You start to get the feeling like this place is even the artwork that you begin to kind of look at from time to time when people kind of give you little stories about what they're working on. Like it, it seems like many of them are kind of working through this like haunting melancholy that they have from their time. Uh, and some you can tell are, are in better places than others. Uh, there are a variety of like, like as, as the, the sort of the night progresses more arrive here and there. Uh, some you recognize from the meeting hall Amdarim arrives and speaks with you kindly, refers to Erebon now as Sorendir. And there is again, that wry smile that appears uh, ever so slightly on the edges of their mouth. You can like the 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 doors and the windows are thrown open, so the sounds of the storm and the rain and the thunder, all of that comes down. But you can tell that it's like it has not like a like a tiring quality for those within here, but this they it feels good to them, right? There are others that come by like with a, you know with these these interesting lutes and other musical items, and you can kind of hear some songs, some of which you maybe have heard in some respect others not so much poetry is rewritten and it's a very lovely lovely eve um why doesn't everyone roll like a i'll say roll a riddle test or a lore test or something like that and we'll kind of like seed some of like what maybe you have heard or talked about or learned throughout the course of the evening. We don't have to play it all out. We'll, we'll say this is over the course of several hours. Uh, whichever you success prefer. On Riddle. Okay. All right. Fail. Mm, Billy got a basic success. Okay. Regular success on lore. Regular success. Okay. Um, so what did you roll, Floyd? Uh, what did, uh, what skill? Riddle. Great success. Okay. All right. I um, want more. I just want to do one at a time. So, Floyd, okay. Riddle. Okay. Um, you have heard, like, as you're kind of talking uh, with some of the, the elves around here, you, you hear much of the fact that there has been an unsettling tiredness of late. And that it seems to have kind of swept over the town and like they kind of go through the idea of these, these sort of these images of violence and plague and, or not plague, violence and death and things like that that are happening. But you also hear that there is one specific artist, uh, the sculptor, that in that time has felt that kind of that strangeness more acutely than others, that sort of tiredness, that violence in, 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 in sort of a deeper way. And that between the living night and the deep dream, like she's begun to kind of craft these, these statues that are still in their primordial state. They're not finished, but these idols, these sh with like shifting faces and forms as if they're kind of cloaked by, by shadow or kind of, 
tormented of spirit. And from what you've heard, the elf kind of feels this compulsion for it. But it seems to have been unsettling some of the others uh, around. Uh, and you get a name, a name that's actually already been mentioned once before. The name is Merthel. Gilly, you said you rolled lore? Yes, and I just got one success. Okay. You get into some conversations with a few crafters and uh, mostly artists, like visual art, those who have who have painted or sketched charcoal forms. You kind of go through these different, um, the different mediums, and they talk about the different tools and utensils they use, and they they encourage you to show them your work. Do you show them your work? Yeah, she does. Okay, and they are very pleased, and they are very complimentary towards it, and they tell you how there is an entire circle of elves. Um, who were known to craft these complex mosaics, uh, these kind of painted tiles that they would use to form these mosaic like murals. And they kind of reference specific buildings and locations in the city where you, when the, when the storm has passed in the morning, you could see, but there's great, there, there, there's many, there's a kind of a a sadness, but also a resignation and this bittersweet happiness as well as they have recently left on a ship and they felt the call and the entire, this entire circle that they used to hold these solars um, like every week where they would sit atop this like open, uh, open aired building on the eastern side of town, and they would look up at the stars, the sky above, and they would just talk and and draw, and paint, and they all feel this, this terrible sadness uh, that that's that this this community is lesser now in some ways at their absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arineal, you said you failed? I did. Okay. You don't get into anything in, in sort of any too great uh, immense conversation, but you do hear that there you're not the f- only travelers, actually, who have been to Forland in recent times, and that just within the past few weeks, there was a, a wagon of merchants who have come a great distance uh, and they were kind of getting pelted uh, with thunderstorms and such and were uh, were accosted it seems by like some orcs and goblins and the coastal roads kind of flooded and left them stranded and the orcs and kind of took the opportunity to, to rail against them but fortunately the guard was able to, to lend aid um, before it grew to uh, grew too terrible. Uh, and then Erebon, excuse me, Sorandir, uh, what uh, what did you roll? Did you roll lore or did you roll riddle? I rolled lore and I got a regular success. Okay. Okay. You hear your ears prick up 
as you I'm not sure how 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 social would Sorender be in such a situation are you talking a lot you not social at all okay uh he he would occasionally egg someone on if it had to do with the uh, war in Angmar or how Balavan became captain, something like that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he's just letting everyone do the talking. You definitely overhear people talking about Angmar with, with great clarity to like Irineal and Floy and such here and there. Like the, the name comes up, Fornost comes up. Uh, they reference like the, these great hosts, this massive, these massive battles, things like this. And and although that's happening and you're kind of keeping off to the side, no one's being rude to you. You can tell that the the audience in this hall seems to be receptive to you. It, it doesn't seem to have any of those that were kind of receiving you negatively. But something catches your attention, actually. You hear from someone that ships with dark sails have been spotted in the gulf and they've been using thunderstorms as cover for their movements. There's not entire certainty over exactly who these people are, but they're kind of vaguely referred to as like, you know, pirates or plunderers or something like that. Nothing that would really endanger Forlond or anything like that. And maybe at first, like it just maybe it's just a coincidence. But one one witness mentions there are these kind of crude carvings on the bowsprit and on the gunwale that kind of left them disturbed while they were kind of out testing the the quality of a hull of a of a ship they've recently constructed here. Would uh, I be able to match that description with what we saw? It certainly, yeah, it certainly that's that's why it probably catches your attention, especially when they describe the the markings and such. That more than anything sounds very familiar to you. I would uh, share with them our sightings of them, as far as Lake Evendom, uh, just so that they are aware as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, an elf by the name of Suratol uh, is the one who kind of gives you most of the conversation. And as you kind of do, you, do you tell them the whole story of your time around the Nuiel, like the? the, um, the I hills? would do the cliff notes. I would say that we spent time on Lake Evendim. Uh, we saw uh, Mendir's party, and while we were on the lake, we saw uh, the ships with the black sails. Okay, all right, fair enough. So you definitely. I mean, there's you probably have this long exchange about the death of elves. And what was it that they were doing? What were these elves hoping to accomplish? As you're conversing with them, some of the others who have been talking at length with Irineal, kind of moving about, mention how they, you know, they were a veteran of the war with Angmar and how they felt often a pull in fact, towards the fields of slaughter, like west of Fornost, where the huge hosts kind of came to be, and many an elf and man, an orc, fell. And more than once you've felt that, like they, they've felt this pull, this desire to revisit that. And siblings, family member, 
friend fell there and they know that you know there's sort of this pessimistic you know skepticism about whether those who fell what what came of them you know and so there's no real great certainty that they give you obviously but you can you can hear this kind of for those who fought there they still feel an like a like a pull or an attachment to it like they are somehow anchored there like a part of them was lost there and they confess to you that they have thought about journeying there at some point but never have and even a few look to you and how you've been traveling around and they almost kind of look at you with some sort of jealousy, not, you know, in a, in a kind way, you know, not like greedy, you know, not like being too envious or anything, but just the idea of being able to, the freedom with which you've, you've experienced it. I would start to speak up and say, it's not been a freedom but then I would just trail off and not not explain further. They nod and they don't press. They can tell that you're dealing with this is not an easy time for you, but they 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 don't press. Does anybody else follow up with anything that you've heard or is there anything specifics that you're looking to do during this like meal? And I, I don't know that there's anything more <clears throat> excuse me, than what we've kind of discussed before, but um, just, you know, Arineal will kind of take in any information about, you know, her home and Argolab and whatnot that she can hear okay. from these folks. You, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you're hearing all these people reference this, um, okay. Um... You mentioned the helm, and I think you know the name of the helm, the name of the king of the Ar- Argolib. But mm-hmm. as you're speaking with them, like there was somebody in in, in in sort of this party here who references how they were. I think give you a name. Um, where is it? Um, Parmendil is probably we'll say is the one that is is conversing with you. They mention how they are they have they have remained in Linden for hundreds of years. They have not crossed the Blue Mountains since that terrible war. They assisted, they will tell you, a King Arveleg. And they drove off hillmen from the Weather Hills and they remember fighting near the North Downs and Fornost and the massive host of, of elves from Rivendell and Galadrim from beyond the Misty Mountains. They all kind of join together and they kind of trail off. And like, I mean, picture this like you're you're at like a like a VFW and you're speaking mm-hmm. to these mm-hmm. old people from world war two are talking about their, like they're, they're at, on the one hand, they speak with kind of this fondness and pride, but on the other hand, you can tell there's like, there's wounds that they still kind of carry with them. And remember mm-hmm. 
they remember all of it. Like they see it with perfection. Like they see their friends, their loved ones falling before them. This isn't just a vague memory where they only have pieces of it. And so they speak to you and like you, you know, you get little stories here and there. None, none mention Argaleb specifically. Um, others mentioned a different king, the last king, Arvadui, as well. Uh, a name that you are familiar with, actually, uh, as it was referenced as there was some sort in the northern parts of the Blue Mountains. If you recall, when you were with the dwarves, there was a story that Balin brought you about how um, the last king uh, of uh, Arvadui like, took his host and left many of his things somewhere in like a, a, a mine somewhere on the north end of the Blue Mountains. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of confirmed some of that as well. Um, yeah. What about Floyd and Gilly? Bring up the visions I've been seeing. Maybe people know about that. Sure. Yeah. There is no one here that is that old. <laughs> so feel the curtain back that stuff that stuff is old like the stuff i'm referencing is like first age elder days stuff right um but there are scholars here and there are people who are of considerable age there are people here that are go back to the second age curtain curtain the shipwright who isn't here is actually in the grave and but you know that he is even much older than Artolos, who is likely the oldest in this settlement um but you get yeah, I mean, you're, you you hear you hear references to these battles over yeah. I'm trying to think of how much they would know because like, yeah, I have to be careful. I don't want to go like too deep into like Silmarillion lore because mm-hmm. that's probably going a little too far. But we'll say it, we'll say it this way: like you get these these stories about how the enemy has always been very opportunistic, and with the breaking of the world, with strife between elves and dwarves and men, like there are many foul and twisted-hearted elves and dwarves and men that were brought further into the shadow and. What they tell you is that it's basically in this manner with with this sort of treachery that the enemy has been able to learn new traits, new secrets about elves, new secrets about dwarves, their weaknesses, what drives them. They don't just guess, but it's with every new dwarf or elf or man that they pull from light to shadow, they learn something new about that people and the weaknesses are laid bare. And the seeds of treachery then are more easily sowed in the next generation, in the next, in the next. And that what you're referring to is not necessarily like an original sin, but certainly a sin or an evil that was long since planted and has likely impacted the relationships between the elves of Linden and the dwarves of the Blue Mountains 
that whether they realize it or not, that tension sometimes between these groups continues to this day because of it. And they might not know why. They might not know the origin sometimes of that animosity, the specifics of it. But when you reference things like the like the that the Battle of Sarnathrad and the Battle of a Thousand Caves and things like these are names that are so rarely spoken and rarely even written about these days that that's like kind of what you're getting. Like you're you're carrying around, you're wielding and wearing armor that was that was crafted either by people who were alive for that kind of treachery or those that learned those lessons from people who were alive during that treachery. If that makes sense. Got it. <laughs> that is true. Curtin is, I always like to say one of the only elves with a beard so that I can, if I want throw an elf out there with a beard, but yeah, like in the, in the lore Curtin, Curtin, yeah, you'll see, and you, you can even see it in the book if you're if you're if you flip through the book and wondering, whenever you see a elf with a beard, that's Curtin the Shipwright, very old dude and an awesome dude actually, and I tried to get them to go meet him several times, but every time I put it out there, they just <laughs> slap it right back in my face. Oh, there's other things. I still to don't do. think I'll do it. Okay, Gilly, I wanted you to give me an opportunity before I introduce something else. Um, Gilly would just ask around to see if there's anyone who's been over to Greyhaven. Oh, yeah, recently. for sure. Like, that's that's not, yeah, like, I mean, and they, then they she'll don't inquire yeah, yeah. about, yeah. um, what was her name? Um, uh, the elf that was injured, Mendir. Oh, yeah, Mendir. Mendir. Yeah. Uh, not that recently. That would be that would be very, very recent. Like you would have to have basically somebody who just got back from visiting like a week ago. You don't have any like that, but okay. within the past, you know, several years, remember these are elves. They span yeah. that, you know, hundreds and thousands of life, you know, years. So like for them recently, that was like, you know, 75 years ago, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she basically just like inquires if anybody's going to be going anytime soon, if they could check in on them. Yeah. It's funny, too old to twitch is like grave and sounds like the name of a retirement village. I honestly view <laughs> like Forlond, Mithlond, Grey Havens. I think these are kind of retirement homes because they're a bunch of elves that are building ships that they can be taken to Valentine. Like this is this is what it is. They you know. So yeah, they are Grey Havens, the airport to the retirement home. Exactly. Yeah, this right? is limbo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So at a, at a certain point, as like you're feasting and you're conversing with all these elves, some of whom are coming and seeing Sorendir, having not seen him for some time, and others who are curious about this Bree Hobbit and this this ranger who who you know wears the helm of a king that they once knew. Artolos joins uh, joins the party, and the room kind of dies out a bit and she sits and she sort of speaks and as it's getting very late the storm the, the storm is still raging overhead but no one seems to be alarmed or disoriented by it but she sits and she beckons you all and she says as i mentioned during our council we have had time to consider to remove 
the curse that has been set upon your dwarvish friend. And I presume that you probably share some of what maybe the dwarf scholars have said as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Jolner. Um, the River Askar exists no longer. It is... It was gone with the sinking of Beleriand breaking of the world. The waters flow and the currents beneath the Gulf of Loon. The very gulf that we sit our city upon. However, there are times when the tide is such where the waters of Askar can be heard and felt when the salt of the gulf gives way to the freshness of the river that stood and flowed and cut through the realms of the old days. It is to these waters that you must travel. There is a lagoon of sorts, a reef, south into the gulf, that when the tides are low, becomes walkable. And there are many here who have taken trips there to meditate, to listen back to a time of our ancestors. The silver fish will jump. Crabs will bask in the sunrise, and if your heart is true, dwarf, the sound of waves will fade, and the sound of a running river can be heard. It is then that you must bathe the armor that you wear, and yourself when the water is golden from the light of the sun and you beckon the glittering brilliance of the silverfish and the sunrise you will cast off the shadow and offer remorse for the deeds of your ancestors and yourself and when you emerge from the water and retrieve the dark armor that you will now wear, you will both be cleansed. And if not, the shadow has claimed you, we will no longer call you ally. Can we see this place? Yes. Now is not time. In the morning, just after dawn, is the ideal time. Andarim will take you. 
I presume none of you are averse to traveling on water, on boats. Well, I recently learned. The last uh, trip that we had was rather terrifying. I assure you there is nothing to fear. So long as your heart is true. Understood. We're appreciative of your assistance. And with that, the evening ends. The storm begins to settle and you retreat to your rooms. Unless there is something you wanted to do, you can kind of sleep and morning can come and you can attend to this task. Yeah, nothing else for the evening, I don't think. Okay. So if that's the case, you all go back to your rooms, you sleep. You have peculiar dreams. They're even more intense than you've had before, those those visions of violence. And you can probably guess that this is the sort of intensity that these elves have been having, like this visceral, horrible violence that seems to be done between dwarves and elves. Like, you are literally in the area of the world most adjacent to where these these Elder Day battles took place. But morning eventually does come. And you are eventually fetched by Emdrim. You are able to have a small breakfast, but eventually... You work your way out to the the docks. You go down these beautiful carved steps in the side of this granite cliff on top of which the city has been built. As you're traversing it, you see the river, which had been split into two, the Gelian Linduin, cascading over the sides to the south and to the north, disappearing into mist. And you descend. It is not the, you know, it is, you all are very fit people, but it's a long, you know, descent. But as you look down, you can see shipyards extending, docks far out into the water. You can see, like, birds that have been nesting on the, the sides of the cliffs themselves. You see dark shadows in the waters below, schools of fish. When you get down towards the docks, you hear the sounds of people working. You see what looks like these pods of dolphins and such kind of looping in and out, swimming around. You see elves as well wading into the waters of the of the gulf. Amdurim takes you to a boat, a ship, not much different than the one that you saw when you were by Eskerdale. A small sailing vessel could probably hold maybe ten people, but you all get on with Amdurim leading you, and you, you venture forth. It is, again, it is very, you know, you're, it's basically dawn as this all kind of transpires. And whoever 
you know, wants to assist in rowing and pushing away, but eventually the sail comes up and it's caught by the wind and you see it grow thick and this beautiful white sail with this elvish rune that seems to be stitched by one of the crafters within the city kind of fills and you feel just this speed kick in you almost feel like a prickling like underneath your hair as it kind of flops around in the wind as if like a second presence is here but one that doesn't that doesn't unsettle you in the way that the whispers that sometimes cascade from shadows something more is kind of pushing you forward and eventually you reach this lagoonish area it's more like these raised sandbars that seem to weave around and create this circuitous path you can see the white sands just barely beneath the surface of the water you can see off on one side there's already a boat that is parked here and you see an individual elf is sitting cross-legged just a couple inches worth of water but they're sitting on the sand and they're kind of staring westernly hands out head kind of tilted back wind sending their dark brown hair kind of wafting behind them. And Amdurim turns to look and he says, Now is the time, Master Dwarf. Knock it off. And don the armor. Take the armor off, unstrap. You feel the itching. You all watch as Floy pulls the armor off. And you see wounds at the seams where, like, underneath the arm, as he peels it away, you see bits of skin kind of come with it, this reddening and a tiny trickle of blood. And you can see what looks like scars from when this has happened before. Almost as if, like, every time this is taken off, like, there's a sense of pain. Amdurim just kind of holds on to the boat, holds on to the bowsprit, kind of stares down, waits. You see these schools of this beautiful silver fish just... You see them kind of flicker up into the air and then jump back down. Flicker up into the air and splash back down. You watch the, the sun kind of come up from the east and this streak of golden light extends right down the middle of this circuitous sandbar and Amdurim looks at you Floyd just sort of nods in its direction it's time then I will cannonball in there <laughs> classy voice what do you yell as you jump in cannonball cannonball <laughs> All right, so you wait out, you dunk, you can, and, and again, it's, again, this is low tide, you wait out, it's not like there's a deep sea beneath, but you can see there's a, there's a quick fall off if you could extend too far, but you stay relatively close. Uh, what are the rest of you doing while he's off? Reniel would have kind of looked at Gilly and just said, did you see the scars? I didn't realize it was that bad. 
I never, I never let on. And, um, Gilly will turn to him and be like, would, would it interrupt if, or help if we join? I want him to get better. Turn to the side. It is not you that needs to atone, is it, Pre-Hoppet? No, but I, I wish more than anything for him to succeed. Perhaps he will, and with a friend such as you, I am sure he will return the better dwarf. So Floy descends into the water. You're like weighed out and your head's kind of popped up. Like you don't really have to, like you just kind of get it up to your neck. Your beard is kind of wet. You dunk the, the water in. And most of the time it's been this, this, this like lapping of water. Like you hear the sounds of like, of what sounds like waves. But as you're sitting there and almost like impatiently getting to the point, like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. Suddenly like everything around you just sort of slows down. Like the sound of the waves lapping begins to slow first, the rhythm until eventually you hear the waves no longer. None at all. The squawking of seabirds. Nothing. Disappears. The smell of salt. The taste of it on your mouth as some trickle in as you begin descending into the water even further. You realize you've reached a patch of fresh water. And as you like dip in, you dunk your head beneath the water, everything gets very, very dark. I need you to roll a valor test. If you need dice, take my dice. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, we do it. Uh, we are back up to 12, so there are plenty for you. How does Valor work again? Just roll Valor. You're D12. Plus, a D12 in... plus a pip, plus a D6 for each level of Valor you have. I see. And the target number is heart, correct? Yeah, for Valor it is, yeah. I'll do five for favored. Okay. Okay. Thank you, generous audience. Thank you, Chuck. We're at a very, uh, very important time. I might kill off a character here if he rolls really poorly. You got 19 great success. Never mind. <laughs> you're, you're beneath the water. Fresh water is in your, in your eyes, your mouth. You... You're down here. You're, you realize you're holding your breath, but it doesn't feel painful. You don't feel a burning in your chest. You don't feel yourself growing buoyant. You just feel yourself sort of sinking and sinking and sinking. It's 
very dark. Somehow you hear these whispers that have become so familiar to you. And you look around and you can see there's something swimming and circling you as the sort of dark waters begin to, to surround you. You see something emerge from the shadows. It gets closer and you can see the light from the sun is pushing through the shadow and kind of reflecting off of the, the armor which you can see is is in its in and of itself sort of has this wafting and waning brilliance to it as if shadow and light are almost competing for itself. Floy, what is the most beautiful thing to Floy? What is the thing that if you saw that Floy looked at it would be the most beautiful thing? Have to be just a bunch of gems and treasures filled up to the brim with my family around it a full coin purse you see the strangest vision begin to emerge as you see your mother her face pushing out from the darkness adorned in gems necklaces earrings you see one brother and then another and they all seem to sort of be surrounding you they get closer and closer. And at first it felt good to see them. But then you realize as they're kind of reaching towards you that their arms are growing kind of unnaturally long. And you see this kind of tentacle that you have recognized and encountered before in the dark waters beneath the keep in the Rudauer Hills kind of extend out. And as you come to that realization, you see in the shadow around you that same horrific creature that tried so hard to pull you into the darkness, into the depths below that sunken keep. And it, like, lunges out at you. What do you do? Just just swim away. Avoid the tentacles. Grasp. Okay. So you just start swimming and dodging and swimming. And you feel... Like one of them kind of lap, you know, like wrap around like your leg, kind of tug you as you constantly kind of trying to push back up and push back up. Those of you on the surface, you're kind of counting the beats since he's fully submerged himself below the water. And it's been a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes. And although dwarves have very high constitution, you see no activity from the part of the part of this lagoon where Floyd descended. What do the rest of you do? I think Arrhenil would jump in if it's been a while and there's no motion. I think Arrhenil would jump in. Okay, Gilly or or, or Solandir. Gonna make me change the overlay now, son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. Hey, party wife. How's it going? Uh, I think, I think Soren Deer would. Uh, he would like start taking off his cloak and his belt, and then he would see Reniel's about to jump in, and he'd put his belt back on. Okay, and that's it. You just let her go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Gilly, what do you? Do? Uh, I would get like a rope ready or something to toss. Okay, Gilly, what do you? Yeah. Do? Gilly will tie a rope around, like she gets her rope out and ties it around Arrhenial's waist because she knows she's not a great swimmer. 
Mm-hmm. But um, she's getting ready to help Arenial pull him back in if they need to. Okay. Arenial, you dive beneath the water, and it becomes quickly clear to you that it is not salty at all, but fresh. You hear in your ears the muted sounds of, like, river and then you suddenly see it gets very, very dark very, very quickly. The sun seems to sort of disappear. And then you see Floy. And he is limp. He is like a his arch. His back is arched. His legs and arms are kind of hanging limply. And you see him just sinking and sinking and sinking. You see like attached to one of his arms, he's got like his, his fist his hand around this armor and you can see that there's this flickering light that seems to be coming from it and you realize the armor looks different now whereas you've seen it before and it has this sort of darkened tarnished quality to it mm-hmm. it looks brilliant you you thought at first it might have been a swarm of silverfish but if not for that armor you wouldn't have seen him at all as he just continues to sink what do you do uh Arineal will kind of swim down beneath him so that she would be able to um kind of grab him and swim back to the surface. Roll an athletics test. Okay. I'm going to take an audience dice Mm -hmm, mm because I want this to work. Athletics is already favored for me so then that will be one, two, three, four. I hear that. My favorite. You spend too long counting dice and Jeff's going to play a sound effect. (laughs) I I don't like when people aren't talking. I get very, Melissa knows, I freak out. Like, oh, it's like back on the podcast days when like people would go silent for more. Than, and it's only like two seconds. And I'm like, someone talk, someone talk. It's terrible. I have a problem. Uh, so that is an automatic success. I rolled the Gandalf and uh, no additional successes. You swim down. You thrust like kind of upward. You, you, you don't really push off anything. This is just dark. You just sort of push yourself. You wrap your arms around Floy. And you just swim further upward and upward. And Gilly and Erebon, you watch like a like a dolphin lifting up out of the water. You see a rineal just erupt from the water itself. Floy kind of in her arms limply. Floy kind of hanging on to something. You see a rineal kind of drag him onto one of the the parts of the sandbar. And you kind of like smash at his chest briefly and after a moment Floy you kind of come to spitting and you're not itching anymore Floy how long has it been you were I, I don't even know the minutes that you were you were under the water and you were just you were just drowning. How, how do you feel? I feel light. That your your armor, it, it looks different. I can feel it too. It feels like this looming is gone. And when you look at it, it the, the armor looks different. It looks like mithril now, like proper mithril. It doesn't have that sort of tarnished dark quality to it. It is glittering, it is beautiful, and it looks like the scales of these schools of silverfish that are swimming about in the gulf. 
as Gilly and, and Sorendir are standing off to the side watching this happen, you can see there's storm clouds again off to the west. You hear the sound of like thunder cracking. I'm not sure if it was there to begin with when you first came out. I mean, like, they're always kind of looming, those storm clouds. Erebon and Gilly, you both look over and you see that that other elf that had been sitting cross-legged meditating has now is now standing and you see them you see them Erebon kind of squinting and looking off kind of to the southwest their eyes brought together very very closely as if they're peering and straining to see something uh I'm sorry who sees them Soren Deer you said bitch. both of you oh, okay Soren Deer sees them both of you are <clears throat> awareness okay. Erebon roll it at minus three because you're a son of a bitch Still says Aragorn on the overlay, so still that you. I am favored with three pips in awareness, uh, but my cockiness has caught up to me, and I rolled an eleven. I needed a fourteen. Okay, Gilly. No Sauron, just bad rolls. Gilly. There we go. Aragorn is maybe not used to the wind and the. I'm sorry. Who? Waves. Sorendir is not used to the wind and the waves. <laughs> Gilly, you look out and you follow the eyeline of this elf that's standing near you. You see Floy is kind of getting back up. Reniel's helping him. He's starting to don once more, which is now this beautiful, glistening mithril armor. And Gilly, you see, finally, after squinting for a very long time, that what the other elf is looking at you see that there is a ship on the horizon with tall, dark sails, and it seems to be moving in your direction. And we'll stop there for this week, and we'll pick up there next week. Yay! Great session. All right. Floyd. Floyd, you're cured, sort of. Sort of cured. Uh, I will update the item for you so it no longer has the the curse. The stats are still the same. It's just it doesn't have the the curse now. And you guys no longer have to deal with that minus one penalty on councils and things like that when you come to a new place. Bless. We need all the help we can get with councils. (laughs) It's okay. I'm going to kill you in a a naval combat here next session. I'm just going to drown Erebon. It'd be great. Or sword and deer. Whatever the stupid (laughs) (laughs) Just wait till I go... Start going by my father name. Another twelve episodes from now, I'll change my All name. All right, oh, no. buddy. Oh, <laughs> I think we've had just enough out of you. Plus, uh, you still have to deal with your your friend who is not too happy with you. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's it for us. Um, let's see what do we got going on uh, later tonight. Go watch our friend, uh, our friend Chuck, who's in the channel right now. Uh, as they're over on Given Games uh, playing some uh, some weird frontiers, uh, come check out us on Monday, twitch.tv slash lollygaggers, where you're at right now. Uh, come watch us as we're playing some Deadlands uh, as we pick up uh, on part two of our Blood Drive campaign. Uh, next Friday, you can see us going back to Hunter the Reckoning uh, for our every other week campaign there. And we'll be back on Saturday for, for more One Ring. Uh, Melissa said it before, but we now have One Ring in podcast form. Every week we're putting out a couple new episodes until we catch up to live, and then we'll just be releasing uh, whenever we do live. Uh, But you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Go ahead and search for Waking of Angmar. 
Uh, and also check out the YouTube channel as there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on there. Next week we're going to be dropping a pretty epic mothership uh, episode from last night. That's a lot of fun as well. Uh, but yeah, join a discord. And if you want some dice, uh, some awesome Norse foundry dice, like we've been rolling, uh, head over to norsefoundry.com, put in Lolly uh, as your promo code and get 10% off. Uh, so you can roll dice like us. Uh, we still have to figure out actually what, uh, what styles we have so we can mention specifically what we're rolling. Yeah. Uh, I like mine. It. I got two Gandalfs tonight, so that's uh, yeah. off to a good start. I've been rolling some uh, Nimbuses. Nice. Um, Octon Cthulhu, Eric. Uh, Matt was having some sound trouble Thursday, so we didn't have it. So hopefully we'll be back next Thursday over on Garbalai Games for more Octon Cthulhu punching Nazis in the face, uh, being friends with marmots, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I have a character... I have a character who is a uh, lunatic druid with a uh, a pet marmot uh, who uh, can speak a few words and was first in his class in kindergarten. Uh, so it's great. It's pretty fun. <laughs> I love that character so much. He's such an idiot. Like I can't believe him. I can't believe they put up with him in that class or in that class in that in that game. Uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for everyone who hung out. Thank you for those of you who threw some bits. Uh, we really do appreciate those of you who are watching or listening to this later. Thank you as well. We really appreciate the support you're giving our wondering game. We're going to go ahead and raid our friends over at Diesel Shot. It looks like they're up. They're starting soon. It looks like they're going to be doing some Changing Stars, which is a game they've been working on. And we played right here on this channel uh, several mm-hmm. months back, if you want to go looking for that. <laughs> the on Jersey YouTube. version. <laughs> the, tri-state, the tri-state area. I don't know. I think they made it canon. I can't remember. But, uh, but that's it. Good night, everybody. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you later. Bye, Bye guys. See you. Bye.